Hello, welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm I'm good, Clay, but we need to... We need to talk about something. Mm. We need to talk about the bonus situation. You will get what you are contracted for. I just think that I deserve an equal amount of problem. shares. Not my problem. Take it up with management. So I'll give you Wes's phone number. Fine. Uh, <laughs> Our own personal Waylon Utani Corp. <laughs> yes. That they never say that name in this, do they? No, it's only on the screens. Is it on the screens? I, yes. I couldn't I I I wasn't specifically looking for it, but when he boot when they boot up Mother, definitely. Oh, it is okay. Yeah. Uh, of course, we are talking about a little movie called Alien from 1979, number five on our list with a 98 percent Rotten Tomato score Damn and a 94 percent audience score. That might be the best, like the closest I've seen yeah. in a while. Even Rosemary's Baby was like 97 and like 86. Yeah, I feel like that one's more people people watch it and are sort of like polarized. A certain type of person is polarized by Rosemary's Baby. Right. Yes. Whereas but Alien... Alien seems to be almost universal. Yeah. Because it's that good. Um, I, I feel like I shouldn't even ask if you've seen this before. <laughs> you should not. I will no. be offended. How about this? When was the first time that you saw Alien? Oh, God. Um, I think this is another one of those I definitely saw in in uh a an edited version on television mm-hmm. when I was too young to do so. Yep. And I did not understand what was happening and I, I kind of have vague memories of my mom being a little bit like, Should she be watching this? And my dad being like, <laughs> She's fine. The answer is always no, but also yes. Yeah. Um so too young to remember is is my answer to your question what about yourself um i actually don't remember mm. i know i'm i'm almost positive i saw aliens first because i had an older cousin who was really into aliens mm. and so i remember going to a uh sleepover with with him at my at our grandmother's house mm-hmm. and we watched aliens and it freaked the fuck out of me fair um so I'm not totally sure. This is one I know that I saw this fairly young mm-hmm. because I've seen this probably I don't know. I've seen it many times. Yes. And there are still things that I don't understand about it because yes. my memory of them is that first viewing kid memory mm-hmm. where I you know I think about it and I'm like what the fuck was going on there? Yeah, this is one of those amazing movies that the first couple times you see it, I think even if you're an adult, you don't know what the fuck is going on in a bunch yeah. of different moments yeah i you, would like to point out figure it out but uh psycho which is number one on our list mm. 96 95 okay and get out which is number two 98 86 all right so pretty aliens pretty a little close. bit better than that so <laughs> uh if you're going by presidential rules <laughs> it's just a little bit better um yeah it's there's there's certain things that are so oddly abstract yeah. about this movie that it's kind of they kind of stick like the the two that stick in my mind one of which we'll probably talk about longer than the other mm. is the opening scene when uh the computer boots up yes and it projects the computer screen onto the helmets yeah i remember the first time i saw that being like are the helmets talking to each other <laughs> like i just it was so 
odd. Right. Well, because your brain is trying to figure out, like, what am I looking at? Right. What are all, what is all of this yeah. stuff? What am I looking at? Is any of this important? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to be paying attention to in this moment? Right. And it doesn't tell you. The movie, I mean. You have yeah. to just kind of figure out. Yeah. And the other one was, uh, which I still to this day don't really understand, mm. is uh, when Ash starts shoving a magazine down <laughs> Ripley's throat, which I've never took. Like my brain started doing its own gymnastics uh-huh. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I uh, my original thought was that he was trying to like impregnate her with an alien. Via magazine? Yeah. You know, like just pop it down the tube into her <laughs> mouth kind of thing. That's how women work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, in this universe. Um, in this but universe, yeah, that's how all humans work. Yes. But I, yeah, I've, I've all, to this day, I've never, this is actually, I, I think the first movie we are covering that I have previously covered with Wes, mm. but it was so long ago that it, we may as well not have done it. Yeah. So I'm sure we probably talked about that scene at length yep. on that podcast. Yep. Don't remember what was said. So. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are going to play the trailer, take a quick break, and then we will talk about Alien. Some of you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. Mother's intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. You got us up to check it out. Human. Unknown. What happened to Kane? Something has attached itself to him. We have to get him to the infirmary right away. What the hell is that? Well, we gotta get it off him. You've got a wonderful defense mechanism. You don't dare kill it. It's gotta be a way of killing it. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Alien, directed by Ridley Scott, story by Dan O'Bannon, screenplay by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. This is one of those, I think another one of those um, ones where, uh, don't quote me on this, I know, I've, mm. I've watched all the behind the scenes shit and I have like at least <laughs> one book about it, but I, I can't remember this stuff anymore. Yep. But I think this was another one kind of similar to Rosemary's Baby where Dan O'Bannon had this script that he wrote mm-hmm. that was like kind of trashy but had like one really good scene which is the chestburster oh. scene and it kind of i think he wanted to direct it uh, and it got taken away from him and expanded <laughs> out because i if i remember correctly like on all the, the special features and stuff yeah dan o'bannon is like very bitter about this 
Right, but they had to keep his name on there. Because right. He, well, he's in, he was involved with the production. Like yeah. he worked. I mean, he wrote the screenplay, um, and he actually worked in the art department, developing mm. the monsters and stuff, and, and some of the stuff. But I think like he had intended to direct this, and then yeah. when they got it, they were like, "How about we give this to a real director?" Aww. Sorry, Dan. Um, starring. Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, John Hurt, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, Ian Holm, Yafet Koto, and Bolaji Badejo as Papa Xenomorph himself. Uh, Does that make him a zaddy with an X? I mean... You're young. (laughs) Am I using that correctly? Anyway, a, Amanda. No. B, also no. <laughs> the answer is always no. Uh, Amanda, what happens in Alien? In deep space, the crew of the commercial starship Nostromo is awakened from their cryosleep capsules halfway through their journey home to investigate a distress call coming from an alien vessel. The terror begins when the crew encounters a nest of eggs inside the alien ship. An organism from inside an egg leaps out and attaches itself to one of the crew, causing him to fall into a coma. That yep, that's it. That's it. That summary could have stopped a couple sentences before. It's also I probably f- should have just edited that part myself. It's also funny because that's just the first half of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they really. could they could have stopped with a uh, commercial ship awoken from cryosleep to investigate a strange signal. Yeah. That could have stopped there. Really burying the lead in that one. Well, Clay, some things you'll find in Alien include mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, extremely impractical underwear. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about <laughs> ladies' underwear <laughs> but or ladies' underwear from the late 70s, nope. but that doesn't seem like not, a style. Definitely not ladies' underwear from 2021, 20, 22. Yeah. Uh, that is does not seem like a style that was ever in vogue of like the... It I I it looks like it was folded over a bunch of times to look smaller. Yes. Which I assume. It yes, was. or it shrank in the wash or something, yeah. and she just didn't have another pair on the ship. Yeah. I I don't know. I can't I can't imagine the washing machine and dryer on the Nostromar are particularly good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that's why there's all that water dripping from the ceiling. Because well, maybe the, Clay. Yes. You'll also find in this movie liquid of dubious provenance. Yeah. All over the place, all all from like midpoint of the movie onwards. There's, yeah, everything's just gooey and wet. Yeah, apparently Ridley Scott um, got a lot of pushback from the producers on that scene on that room that's just chains and water. Yeah, because they were like, "Why are there <laughs> chains and water in the middle of the spaceship?" And Ridley Scott, much to his great credit, said, mm. "Because I want there to be." Yes, and uh, that's um, correct answer. He's wrong. He's he's rarely wrong when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> Uh, you'll also find Xenomorph Tai Chi. Yeah, my favorite shot in the this. It's so so strange because the, the Xenomorph is such a ubiquitous creature now. Mm. It's like as n- well known as Dracula or Frankenstein or anything right. like that. Right. Even the fact that we kind of all casually call it the Xenomorph and everybody right. knows what we're talking about. Yeah. And I bet nine out of ten people couldn't tell you which movie that word shows up for the first time because it ain't this one. Yeah. I'm yeah, assuming exactly. it's probably the next one. That mm. seems like a James Cameron thing. Yeah. But I honestly don't Could know. Could be three. Who knows? Could be three. Yeah. Um, what the hell are we talking about? There's something else I was going to say. <laughs> tai Chi. Tai Chi. Yes. Uh, it is. It's It's funny to go back and watch this because clearly they're figuring out 
how the alien moves Mm -hmm. and some of that gets kind of silly like there's a reason why they don't show a ton of it right in this right and it has my favorite shot which is the just weird like torso up shot where the xenomorph is just kind of doing this weird like tai chi like gracefully floating forward to kill someone walking towards lambert to to spear her through the chest uh you'll also find kane's son kane's son his big dickhead son <laughs> you know that i i included that because it's an actual line ash says does he say that really yeah he refers to the creature as kane's son i have at one never point. caught that before this is why it helps to be hard of hearing you have to put on the subtitles that's really interesting <laughs> uh you'll also find a cosmic case of heartburn yeah yep yeah the uh obviously the the fun t- bit of trivia about that scene is that uh, everybody else didn't exactly know what was going to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so all of the reactions you see are genuine. Yes, it's the best. Uh, and last but certainly not least, in my opinion, a cat named Jonesy. Yeah. You know, he causes a lot of trouble. He gets a lot of people killed in this movie. Good for him. <laughs> Hashtag goals. So, Alien. Uh, is this a perfect movie? <laughs> it's close. Yeah. I, I think it's damn close. Yeah. It's it the thing that really stood out to me this time, not to jump right over all the the, the substance of the film. Because itself, we would never do no, that. Is that like this movie's two hours. It's not a short movie. Mm-hmm. For the first hour, kinda nothing happens. Like yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's like the only thing that really happens is they go down to the the planet and the face hugger part. Uh huh. But that all happens in like the la- in the that happens at like minute forty five or something. Right. And it's it's just it it feels like this movie should drag, but mm-hmm. it does not drag at all. I think it accomplishes that. By doing the thing that we both love and talk about all the time, which is just dropping you into a world and not giving you a ton of context and background and just leaving you to figure it out. So there's enough in that first, you know, half to third or whatever that your brain is sort of chewing on as you go. Mm -hmm. Who are these people? What are they doing? Why are they where they are? Yep. What is their relationship with each other? Why are they now taking the steps and doing the things that 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 are we're seeing happen? Um, and I think it it gives you enough to sort of you're disoriented enough to start with that you're so busy figuring all of those pieces out and trying to make sure you've got the map in your head of like who and what and where. Then things start happening. Yeah, and you're still sort of unmoored at least i always feel a little bit you know now i've seen this movie a million times so less so but i always feel like that first 25 30 minutes is very much like wait a minute okay who who are the factions here like who's sort of friends with who why do these people seem to not like each other why are these people mad and these other people don't even care like getting all of that kind of back under your belt and getting used to the atmosphere of the of the ship yeah, I feel it gives gives you a lot to do in the in the initial stretch. Yeah, you know, I I almost um, 
I didn't know when I was going to be able to watch this this week. Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, I've seen Alien a bunch. I could probably talk about this without seeing it. But I'm mm-hmm. so glad that I did watch it because I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've watched it since, probably since Wes and I talked about it, which mm-hmm. was at least five years ago. Yeah. And um, I had forgotten how much it just kind of dumps you in. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the, the, the most, the, the smartest things it does right away is you know not only do you get this like very iconic title opening it's so good <laughs> it give it gives you the 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 on-screen like registration of what the nostromo is mm-hmm. and then it shows you the ship mm-hmm. and then it basically goes through all of the rooms that you're going to see in the movie yes just to kind of give you a lay of the land a yes. little bit yeah. because once they wake up and things start going you're kind of on your own Right, right. Or you sort of have to, you're, you're tethered to a crew member. Yeah. You have to follow them where they go, but you don't get any. They never walk into a room and go, ah, yes, this is the med bay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, this is uh, the room where we keep the ship's computer. Like, there's there's no signage. There's no, right. like, you're going to get the sort of orientation packet. It's just, the crew has been woken up by the ship's computer because there is something they they are required to do and then we just are along for the ride. Yeah, and even, you know, it, I, 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 uh, I was trying to decide how much of like trivia and behind the scenes stuff to get it. Honestly, I'm, I'm not going to do my, a lot of that because yeah. plenty of people have done it better than me. <laughs> um, well, and that's a whole episode of a podcast. Yeah, in you and could of do the, the whole episode just talking about the yeah. stuff and yeah, the sort of the ephemera scenes. around yeah. it. Yeah, but one of the things that I I can't remember if this is what they did, but it definitely feels this way. Mm-hmm. It feels like they rehearsed a lot because their mm. interactions, the crew are, are are so good. Yeah, that their interactions all feel almost like improv. Yes, you know, there's there's one scene. Um, uh, after Dallas gets killed, mm-hmm. where Ripley is trying to figure out what to do, and as she's kind of coming up with her her plan, mm-hmm. Parker's in the background, just like yes. talking almost inaudibly to yes. her, and she's like, "Will you shut the fuck up?" Yeah, <laughs> which that feels very much like it was an improv. Like yes, it was not in the script. Yeah, that he's just angry <clears throat> and and upset, and he's yeah it has that it does the same sort of thing that jaws does Mm -hmm. actually where people talk like they do in real life when they're in a a room full of other people which is you 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 know if you're in a room with six other people and you're all sort of doing separate things or having your own conversations you don't you don't fall into a perfect pattern of like only one person is ever talking at, at the same time. Right. You talk over each other. Yeah. You you anticipate people's responses. You interject. Like that's what normal conversation sounds like. And it makes these people on this ship feel so real. Yeah. Especially that first scene when they're all eating. Yes. When they're having breakfast. And, yeah. Parker and Brett are kind of, this might be the only movie where I know everybody's character name, by the way. <laughs> Uh, Parker and Brett are so kind of having their own conversation. Oh no, am I going to be out of a job? <laughs> <laughs> Only if we just cover this one movie. Uh, which there, we could do one of those. Probably we should do like the Alien, one second Alien, where mm. every episode we talk about a single second from the movie Alien. You could absolutely do that with this movie. Uh, but, you know, Parker and Brett are are having their own kind of conversation about, you know, the, the bonus thing. And yep. While uh, Dallas is shooting the shit with Lambert and Kane and stuff. Yep. And Ripley's just 
alone and mad or whatever. But um, it, they just do such a great job of making these characters feel lived in. Yes. And I know, uh, I know Ridley Scott did say that he was like, I he knew that he was going to be spending all of his time on the visuals, mm-hmm. and so he needed to cast people that he knew mm-hmm. he could just count on to deliver yeah and man he fucking nailed it like seriously these, these guys are it's 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 a really interesting cast because it's all character actors i mean you don't yeah. you don't think about that now because obviously sigourney weaver is a huge star right and i mean tom scarrett is a, a star right he's probably at this point the most well-known guy well i mean mm. yeah had kodos but anyway they're all yeah. like it's not but it's not none, like but none of them are robert are, redford's not in the movie exactly you know? exactly yes yeah and it's so fascinating that it's like you he chose these people who are all i think high quality actors first and foremost yeah. and then famous actors second yeah do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, it, it, there's a it's it's not a vehicle for any one of them specifically, right? Especially at the first, you know, five sixths of the movie, it's very much an ensemble. Yeah, thing. It's it's one of those movies that in much like like Evil Dead. Uh huh. I I think it's be the franchise has kind of dulled this effect down a bit, mm-hmm. but when this came out, I don't think you know who the hero of the movie is. No, I don't think I don't because think because do. this was I believe this was Sigourney Weaver's first movie or maybe like her wow, second movie. Jesus, and so like you're not going into this thinking Sigourney Weaver is going to be the last person standing, right? You know, they don't even. It's not even like Halloween. Like Halloween mm-hmm. focuses you in on Laurie Strode, right? This does not focus you on Ripley until Dallas yeah. gets killed. It's more like Friday the Thirteenth in that way. Yeah. Where there's yeah. kind of a group of people and they're all sort of, they all have their sort of little moments and vignettes and like they pair off and have their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not until much later in the movie that you realize, oh, it's this girl. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. she's the one who might make it. Everyone else is fucked. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, I guess um, Ridley Scott said his three, I said I wasn't going to do trivia, but here we <laughs> are. Um, Ridley Scott said his, the three inspirations for this movie were, 2001 a space odyssey star wars and texas chainsaw massacre nice which uh, i do want to talk about those first what a two trinity movies. i know right <laughs> every every movie should have those yes. as their influences but you know it has that texas chainsaw feel where yeah when you texas Chain, well yeah no i think yeah. if you go back texas chainsaws doesn't feel like it's any one person's movie until it becomes one person's movie right exactly and i i love that mm. because it doesn't what it does, if you want your movie to sort of have that feeling and you want to do it well, it forces you to make each of the characters a real character. Yep. Because you need them all to be equally believable and you need the audience to be able to sort of shift focus from, from one to the other and kind of get behind any of them mm. when they when, when you need them to. Um, whereas I think when you kind of start off and it's an ensemble movie, but there's like one or maybe two obvious leads the other characters always suffer for it yeah yeah that's how i see it at least you know they one of the things we talk about on the star trek podcast a lot that is uh one of the reasons why later iterations of star trek um fail in our Mm -hmm. eyes is that if you look at star trek the next generation Mm -hmm. 
even if the stories aren't the best story, all of the characters, you know immediately what their take on a certain situation is going to be. And it does a lot of heavy lifting and makes the the situation that much more interesting and, and, and open to conflict and drama. Because if you know that going into this situation... Uh, Picard is going to be rational. Worf yeah. is going to be more um, aggressive. Let's, let's fucking blow him up. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the doctor is going to be more uh, cautious. Like you, you, you know how these people are going to kind of. They each have a point of view, right? And I think they do a nice. You don't spend a ton of time with these characters, mm-hmm. but you do kind of. You do figure out kind of what their point of views are. Yes, because Ripley is very clearly the rational and and. Is by the, the only, book. By the book is the only person who's looking at the situation rationally. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash is, uh, um, he's a lot more, I had it written down here. <laughs> Ash, Ash is, I mean, obviously he's a robot, but he's smart. He knows how to manipulate people. Right. And he appeals to their wallets because mm. the thing that gets them to go down, he's like, well, if you don't go down, it says in the contract that you don't get paid. Yeah. You know, and he knows that that's what Parker's where what Parker's after. Right. You know, Parker and Brett, well, Brett's kind of like just going along for the ride. Right. But Parker is very money, right. money minded. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever say anything other than right? Right. Um, and Dallas, Dallas is the most interesting to me because mm. Dallas is like, he's the de facto leader because he's yeah. the captain. Yeah. But he's very much like, I don't want to call him a company man, <laughs> but he's the kind of guy who says, that's not my department. Yes. You know, and yes. like that's that's so interesting for a character like him that should be the the hero type. Yeah. And he's just kind of like annoyed that he has to do this shit. Yeah, he's kind of he's so over it. Like right away he's like, "Can we just get through this and go home?" Yeah. Like I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I want to finish this job and get home. Yeah. But one thing I love is that you can at any time, especially in the f- beginning of this movie, multiple characters are on screen with one another you can pause it and look at them and read their body language Mm -hmm. and learn so much about who these people are to one another like how brett and parker are always kind of like they're right next to each other they are always sort of in tune they are clearly like we are a united front Mm -hmm. um dallas seems like he kind of just wants to like he wants to get the job done, but he also sort of just wants to hang out. Yeah. Like he and, and um, Kane are always sort of swarming things together before Kane gets uh, face huggered. <laughs> um, the tension between Lambert and Ripley right away. Yep. Like it's clear they do not like each other. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that Ash is so distant from everyone. Yeah. Like he doesn't have, I feel like Ash and Ripley are two versions of a very similar character in a weird way at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. Where they are both sort of much more focused on their jobs. Mm -hmm. They want to do things and they want to do them right. They don't really have an interest in the sort of interpersonal jokey stuff. They're, they're kind of aloof. Both of them. The difference being that Ripley wants to do things by the book because she thinks that's the best way to do them. And Ash has secret ulterior motives um but it's so interesting like i i even love there's a moment um there's a scene the scene after uh kane has magically gotten better Mm. 
Uh, and they're sitting around having the, having dinner, the last supper. Everyone is crowded on one end of the table around him. Mm-hmm. And he's very animated and, and they're, everyone's so like palpably relieved. And they're all kind of clustered on one side of the table. And then on the other side, it's Ripley in one corner and Ash in the other. Sure, yeah. And they're sort of looking on out on it. And Ripley is kind of on the outside I, Greg and I had different interpretations about this. I argued it was because they were sort of, the group was sort of ostracizing her a little bit because she was going to leave every, everybody right, locked yeah. out of the ship uh, to die. And like, look, now everything's fine, you cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> um, that was my argument. Greg's argument was he thinks he thinks she's suspected something is still not right. I, I think it's I think it's actually two sides of the same argument yeah. from different point of views. I think they're both thinking, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Yeah. And I think Ripley is thinking it like the more catastrophic way where it's like these people, right. they don't know what's going to, anything could happen. Right. He could be infected with the disease. Right. He could have parasites. And, and Ash is thinking, yes. I don't know what's going to happen, yeah. <laughs> but I want to see what it is. <laughs> I just can't wait. Yeah. I You know, it's one of... Um, Ash is a really great character because I think um, they hide his deception Mm -hmm. very well. Yes, and I think Ripley's character helps do that. Yeah, because everything that he says and does Mm -hmm. is quote unquote reasonable. Yep. You know, he, like I said, he appeals to them on a contract level where it's like, we got to do this. This is what they told us we got to do. And even when he lets them in, when they're coming back, he's he's siding with the the more human right, people. Right. A, it's a direct order from the captain mm-hmm. to let them in. And B, it it looks on the surface more compassionate yeah. than Ripley. He he also is apparently programmed to be a misogynist because oh. he I, I don't mean literally, but I just like the thing I noticed this time <laughs> is that Ash is very dismissive of Ripley as a commander. Uh-huh. Anytime, like, he very rarely talks to her. Yes. And there's scenes where it'll be him, Ripley, and Dallas. Yep. Ripley will say something, and Ash, and Ash will direct his response to Dallas. Yes. Like, he's very dismissive of her. I, I, you know, I saw that, too. I did not read it as dismissive. I read it as he sees her as a threat. Sure, yeah. I don't think he sees anyone else on that ship as a threat to his mission. Yeah, I, I see think that. he only sees her as a potential because she asks too many questions. Mm-hmm. She's much more observant than a lot of her her crewmates. Um, after they've gotten Kane back on the ship, and he is still an end face huggered. Mm-hmm. Um, when Ash is in the lab, sort of running experiments, Ripley comes in and presses him on what he's doing. Right, and we never really see. Dallas do that like Dallas will be like well what can you do can you cut the damn thing off come on like let's get rid of this but he's not saying why are you doing this what is this supposed to do why can't you know why can't we x what is the plan for why also why did you let them back on the ship you know I was in charge like she does not let him off the hook yeah she's dogged in in a way the others aren't about things Uh, yeah I agree with all that but I also think that like every time she does that, his response has that kind of like, women. oh yeah, women. Am I right? Oh, that totally. Kind of vibe. But you know, it's yeah. I I do I do one hundred percent agree yeah. with you. I think yeah, he is, uh, he she is the biggest biggest threat to him. Yes. Um, 
I think as far as the characters go, mm-hmm. well, it's funny you, you bring up The Last Supper, actually, yes. because uh, John Hurt plays Jesus in um, Mel Brooks's <laughs> History of the World Part One. Uh-uh. But uh, I, it's, I feel like, and I mean, kind of rightfully so, because he doesn't have much to do, mm-hmm. but Kane definitely is the least fleshed out. Yes. He doesn't really have much of a personality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Lambert, I would say Lambert is number two, mm. low, lowest on the rung, because her personality just seems to be terrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> terrified and, and pissed off at, at Ripley. But yeah, yeah. I think Kane, Kane is is very much expendable. I mean, oh, he, ser- yeah. he obviously serves his purpose. Absolutely. I think he has a very <laughs> a very clear purpose in the story yeah, of, of yeah. what he is there to do. Um yeah, and when you put when you put your character in a coma for most of the first act of the of the first or second act of the movie, it's hard to be like here's his personality. Yeah. No, his personality right now is getting almost almost killed and then fully killed. I can tell you actually, I don't remember when the first time I saw Alien was, but I do know that before I saw Alien, mm-hmm. I saw John Hurt have an alien burst out of his chest at the end of Spaceballs. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I definitely saw that scene before I saw the movie. Yeah. Like somewhere, just a you know, best of lists, something, yeah. Um, it's so good, though. The design of this movie is top notch. There's, uh, I believe the story goes, um, Alejandro Jodorowsky was set to make Dune. Mm. And uh, if, you've ne- if, you, if you're interested in that, Check out Jordorowski's Dune, which is a documentary all about this failed uh, Dune production, which is I highly recommend. Um, and what he, Jodorowsky had done was he had brought in this fucking murderer's row of designers, mm-hmm. including Ron Cobb, H.R. Giger, mm-hmm. and Mobius. Mm. And so when Dune fell apart, Ridley Scott basically just scooped up the whole design team from Dune yeah. and brought them over to Alien. And it's one of those things where, like, Jodorowsky's Dune probably would have been narratively unwatchable, <laughs> too expensive to actually have been made, uh-huh. and probably just, like, overall kind of like a weird mess. But uh, would have been great to look at. Oh, absolutely! Next. No, I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it. But, but um, seeing what the uh, creative team actually did with Alien mm-hmm. makes me really sad that he never got to make that movie. Yeah, you see, so, uh, there's actually some of the designs from uh, some of the Giger designs from Dune have shown up in other stuff. Uh, mm. One of the species movies. I think there's a train, like mm. a Giger train, that is a reused design from Dune, and uh, in wow. Pr- in Prometheus, I think they reuse some of the the the, um, the Harkonnen stuff that he designed. Sure. Um, but Ron Cobb designed most of the machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giger obviously designed the monsters and the um, the alien stuff, mm-hmm. and Mobius I think mostly did suits. Like the the spacesuits are very Mobius. Mm. Um, if you want to see Mobius let loose, watch the Fifth Element because even though that's can't remember, I think maybe they were ripping him off in that. Mm. Anyway, the, the Fifth Element is very much a Mobius influenced movie. If he didn't work on it specifically, but 
um yeah it's just it's a it's a design team who created something that i was thinking about this today as i was watching it you know Mm -hmm. you have um 2001 space odyssey Mm -hmm. changes the game as far as sci-fi movies go then you have star wars changes the game as far as as sci-fi movies go Mm -hmm. then you have alien which takes builds off those last two yeah changes the game as far as sci-fi movies go i don't know if sci-fi specifically like space Mm sci-fi has ever has yet to evolve past alien because i feel like everything and i i mean there have been people who have done different stuff but there there has been no sci-fi movie that i can think of that just changed the way people thought about design of movies the way that uh alien has and i would throw if you're talking general Mm sci-fi blade runner as well i think blade runner and alien people are just have not figured out how to do better than that yeah which makes me feel like ridley scott is is probably the most influential genre filmmaker of the past 45 years or whatever yeah i think i think that's a that's a reasonable (laughs) argument to make and i can't it is interesting now that you bring it up. I hadn't really thought about it, but especially like space related mm-hmm. sci-fi, we don't have many I feel like there were a lot of movies that maybe didn't do so great mm-hmm. that in some design aspects maybe tried to swing for the fences in, in a different direction and just missed. Yeah. Um I think part of what makes this movie so influential is even though it's drawing from all these different inspirations it is doing something different sure yeah um forgive me it's been a long time since i've seen 2001 but if i remember correctly the spaceships in that movie are pretty clean mm-hmm. they, they're pretty modern yeah very very modern uh, of that era what's the word um Sterile. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're very sterile. Everything is kind of straight lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star Wars is different in the sense that stuff looks used. Yeah. Star Wars is very dirty. Yeah. It's the, first, it's the first science fiction movie that really posits a future, you know, quote unquote future. Yes. That is grimy. Yes. Most, most yes. science fiction movies are usually like the future. Everything shines. Right. Right. But in Alien... You're getting a ship that feels like an oil rig. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it feels like you work inside a hydroelectric plant. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 just, it just feels like you work somewhere industrial. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily even feel like space all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's really not that many space shots in this movie, frankly. There aren't. And, yeah. and, and there are certain parts of the ship... Then I think it draws an interesting like class distinction between mm. the crew members where Parker and Brett are down in the guts of the of the ship. Yep. And everyone else is sort of in the crew quarters or or on the deck, um, or in the room with mother, the mm-hmm. computer. Those things all look somewhat closer to the the shiny modern ships mother has a very classic sci-fi feel yes like in any other movie that thing would look tacky as hell yes but it for some reason it works but there are those parts of the ship that that sort of do look more in in that direction Mm -hmm. but then there's so much of this huge ass ship 
that is essentially just elaborate plumbing systems. It, it yeah, feels like lot, you're a lot in, of pipes. Yeah, it feels yeah. almost like you're in a sewer. Yes, for a lot of it, which is a really fascinating thing because I think it, it it takes sci-fi and in a very subtle way of not beating you over the head with any sort of like this is you know this movie is not a communist manifesto, mm-hmm. but it does insert this sort of like blue collar aspect Definitely, to it yeah. where these people are just doing their jobs yeah this is not special to them this is not some fancy transport this is not we are striking out to do science for the world this is like no we're hauling freight yeah this is essentially a big rig truck yeah it's also funny because I, I i think it's it's that element is is completely believable mm-hmm but I, I just can't help but find it funny because, again, we're, we're talking about a lot of Star Trek. And mm-hmm. in the show Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. which features the smallest version of the, the ship, the Enterprise, yeah. the crew on that ship is 85 people. Mm. And if you look at the size of the Nostromo, yeah. there's six people on the ship <laughs> yeah. flying this into massive thing where it's like i mean think about an oil rig there's like yeah there's probably 50 people on an oil rig yeah i, I know nothing about oil rigs but i'm gonna assume yeah. it's at least the crew complement of armageddon works on an oil sure. rig so that's like 10 guys at least <laughs> but i think you know that's what makes this so interesting because it's like yeah at this point the sh- the computer does most of the work right yeah they are in hypersleep for the majority yeah or cryosleep or whatever it's called in this um yeah, they're they're in essentially a medically induced coma for most of the travel here. Yeah. They're they're sort of just on it for the for the ends. Yeah. And it's so I think it's just so well done and so yeah. well constructed and so yeah. believable that like again, yes. this ship is absolutely ma- like when they blow it up, it's like yeah. a sun explodes. Yes. But you only see five rooms on this ship, basically. Yeah, and a bunch of hallways. And anytime, yeah. anytime the Parker, anytime Parker and Brett have to fix something, yeah. it's just like a pipe with steam coming yeah. out of it in the same room, and you never yeah. question. Or, or is it the same room? Right. Well, I mean, you know, like they built one set yeah. with a bunch of pipes. Yeah, but That's you pretty- could argue that, like, yeah, this is just this is just the standard hallway yeah. for these ships. They duplicate it eight hundred times to right. make all the hallways in the ship. Right. Yeah, which I which I love because I think that is how it would be done. Is you know yeah. these these ships that are meant for this sort of like the mundane type of trade that's mm. happening here is not a company like Wayland Yutani is not going to be spending money to make it yeah. unique or pretty or luxurious. It's going to be purely functional. I'm actually the thing that always impressed me about the Nostromo. Um, and I think is the 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 big step forward design wise mm-hmm. is that it's a spaceship that doesn't look like a spaceship. Yeah, like you're you're right. It looks like an oil rig. Yeah, like it does not. Spaceships are traditionally look aerodynamic. Yes, and this every time I watch this movie, the only thing I can think is. Did they build this thing in space? Because yeah. there's no way you like lift this off from Earth, right? Like this, this is not built to fly in any sort of atmosphere. Well, and I'm always thinking like it's hauling freight. Mm. So like, what parts of what we're seeing are freight? Sure. And what parts yeah. are the ship? Yeah, I have no idea. Like, yeah, it's it's so fascinating. So, <laughs> there's there's an element of that which I f- I find is, um. Similar to John Carpenter's The Thing, uh-huh. where I've watched this movie a million times, I have yeah. no fucking clue what they're hauling. Yeah, like they, I think yeah. they say it once 
I think it maybe says it in that like opening thing, but it's like, yes. it means nothing. Minerals and yeah. whatever. What are they like, doing okay. in Antarctica? I don't know. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Um, but I do, I do think that's, that's something that's so amazing because it's, it's, you've taken these people who designed this elaborate detailed set and it all fits together and merges together in such a way that you feel like you believe it. Mm-hmm. Even though everything we're saying makes it obvious how like kind of fantastical this whole thing is right but you don't question it when you're watching it because there's so much detail put into it and it looks like a place where people live and work yep like one of the details i love is in the sort of crew quarters for when you're awake when you're not (laughs) in cryo sleep around the table where they all eat they mm-hmm. have their own sort of little bays of like beds right yeah and the one that uh ripley gets a magazine shoved in her mouth in <laughs> there's cutouts of like nudie mag pictures oh, yeah. on the wall and it's like yeah it's just some working dude this is where he crashes when he needs a nap after his shift and he just put like pinups on the wall that's it yeah yeah it's um it's just it's such a great yeah. great design and it, it, it goes you know it's one of those things uh, kind of like again like John Carpenter's The Thing where um, this thing is so intricately designed and mm-hmm. constructed mm-hmm. but you see like a quarter of it because yes. it's so dim yeah, and, and it's so very specifically lit which and, I also love yeah I mean it goes a long way Yeah, um, it's impeccably shot I mean Ridley Scott is just a a, a brilliant visual artist. Mm-hmm. Um, every big scene in this movie is like an all timer. You know, oh, yeah. the 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 egg sequence all timer, the chest burster all time. It's just I mean, even when they walk into the the travelers ship mm. and see the space jockey, like I love that. That when 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 they see that gigantic alien sitting in what yeah. was the pilot's shi- seat for for the ship, that thing is so fucking cool looking, yeah. and I don't know. I just it it it, it is it's such an indelible image. It it's, like sticks with you. It's so like it's. I one of my biggest pet peeves with a lot of modern sci-fi and horror stuff mm-hmm. is it feels like everybody is pulling from everybody else when it comes to design. Yeah. And you very rarely see something that feels truly original. Yeah. And the Giger stuff in this mm-hmm. is unlike anything anyone has ever seen. Yeah. You know, the spe- like the space jockey, I didn't even really know what that thing was. Yeah. For... Basically, till like Prometheus came out, they're like, no, it's a guy. Like, all right, sure. (laughs) Well, I remember watching it, watching this movie at one point when I was in like college, and having the realization that it was a guy. Yeah. Like, like realizing it wasn't just some big weird statue or monument or something. I was like, oh shit, wait a minute, that was supposed to have been a guy. (laughs) Like, they don't, they don't, they don't spoon feed anything to you in this. It's like. You have to pay attention and, and and sort of work for it a little bit. Yeah, my um, one of my favorite bits of uh, filmmaking is how they use video to their advantage mm. because everybody's got like a video camera hooked to their helmet. Yeah, and they have this great bit as they're approaching the uh, the space Hulk. I think that's what they call. It. I don't know. Mm. 
the the ship and they cut to the video feed yeah and it almost turns into like a found footage movie yeah because you you start them cut you see them kind of like shakily coming through the Mm -hmm. rocks and it's all breaking up and Mm -hmm. stuff and so you're kind of trying to figure out what you're looking at Mm -hmm. and it's it's so effective it's such a great way to introduce this completely foreign thing yeah and it it's just it it's the it's an al it's a movie about aliens where that word actually feels like it has weight because the stuff that you're seeing is totally alien yes yeah that was (laughs) this is very much a tangent but that was one of my pet peeves about um the most recent doctor strange movie Mm -hmm. was when they they kind of fall through the multiverse at one point and i i saw that movie when it came out so it's been a while maybe Mm. i'm being unfair at this point but I remember kind of like it felt like all the worlds they emphasized were very similar to ours with like one or two differences. Well, there was that one where everybody was paint. Okay. There was that one. <laughs> but it, I don't know. Some of that yeah. stuff always like like when, when, when people kind of dip into that, it a lot of times in more modern stuff, it does feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity to try and do something really weird sure. or different. Yeah. Um, and you sort of just get like, you know, it's uh, it's it's weird. It's not like our world. Everybody wears hats. Everything's corn. Yeah, <laughs> everything's corn. Get back in the ship, Morty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, vi- visually, it, it is. It's just such a fascinating movie to watch for what you see and for what you don't see. Yeah, the the way things are obscured, the way the alien, the xenomorph itself, is it evolves to the ship. Yeah. Like it evolves to exist in the Nostromo. Right. So it blends into things in the Nostromo. Like when the Xenomorph is stowing away on the escape pad, uh, the escape pod and she doesn't realize it's there. It's one of my favorite sequences. Yeah. It looks just like the ship. Yeah. It blends right in. You don't know it's there either until an arm comes yeah. out. I guess not to, to another piece of trivia, but I guess mm. they built that set around the costume oh cool so it would be as seamless yeah, as possible yeah. and then after they did that he couldn't get out so oh. <laughs> gosh i i don't think i've ever thought about how hard the job of, of playing the xenomorph must have been yeah you know it's it's one of those things too where it's like this is uh, they i think they do a really good job of hiding the fact that this is just a guy in a suit. Yeah. But yeah, there's just like a, one or two scenes where they kind of like, mm. yeah, but this is just a guy in a suit. You know, yeah. it's like, if you look at, if you look at the, the, the actual costume, mm-hmm. all that design aside, th- that most of that design is the head and like yeah. the back. Yeah. Cause you get that big like arcing head back. and those like exhaust ports that come yes. out of his back. And yeah. that's like what your silhouette is. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the face and everything. But, like, right. from the neck down, it's just a guy in a suit. And so they do a great job of focusing on the head and the back right. and the hand, the really long fingers and yes. the mouth and stuff. And yeah. The, they get the tail in there, too. I read something that described the xenomorph's face as, um, it's, it said it was a horror for everyone because okay. it's um the mouth the first mouth opens up to reveal the second like proboscis mouth Mm -hmm. and they said it's essentially like a phallus with the vagina dentata at the end (laughs) (laughs) yep that's that's old hr for you yeah let's just get really into the freudian stuff yeah um but yeah i mean i mean the first time you see the full-grown xenomorph when it 
kills Brett. It is so fucking scary. Yeah. There's actually, um, in the director's cut, there's a scene they add, or a shot they add into that scene, where when mm. he's looking up and the water's dripping down on him, mm-hmm. they show a quick shot of the alien hanging in the chains. Mm. And it's another one where it's like, if you don't know what you're looking at, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. But it's a such a cool shot. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. disappointed they cut it out of the theatrical version. Yeah. And I, 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 do, I do love, because I, I feel like those you summed it up perfectly like if if you don't know what you're looking at you don't know what you're looking at right yeah and i love those moments because i think it fits in with the very first intro to the ship at mm-hmm. the very beginning of the movie when nobody is awake yet and you're just sort of moving through these rooms because it's that same feeling like you don't know what you're looking at so you're like what is all this and then yeah. it's not until later on in the movie that you understand like this is what mother is and this is why it's important this is the science bay. This is the ship's controls. This is where Ripley's going to have to go to try and self-destruct the ship. Yep. Like you don't know what any of these things are when you first see them. And so they don't make sense to you. Right. Until you've gotten more of the context later on down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of jumping back to the, the Friday the 13th or Texas Chainsaw comparisons. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really, if you look at this as a slasher movie, mm. I think it's really effectively paced in a way that is kind of different than slasher movies usually are Mm -hmm. because it's got this really long drawn out as we said introduction right if it's like a it's like an it's it's it's, like a very long bulbous head yeah yes it's (laughs) exactly an hour Mm. when the chest burster happens oh Um, wow just a it's within between 50 and 60 minutes yeah and so it's exactly the halfway point yeah and uh, from that point on, you get one kill where they get rid of Brett. Mm-hmm. The the one thing that I do feel is strange about this, and it feels like it must have just been a cut scene, and mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go back and check the director's cut and see if they changed this. Yeah. But after they kill Brett, they directly cut to Parker and Ripley talking yeah. about having seen the thing that killed him. Yes. And I was like, what? They didn't see anything. Like, yeah, they weren't there for it is that. a it is a weird moment. There's probably yeah. there's probably a deleted scene right be. in there of them running in right as yeah. it climbs back up the chains into the ceiling. Yeah. Um. But you're right. I, I remember. I remember being a little confused by that too. Yeah. yeah. But they go from there. They kill one guy, and then mm-hmm. they don't do the slasher movie thing where everybody gets picked off one by one. Right. They do Brett. Then yep. everybody kind of like comes up with a plan yep they kill dallas yep and then they kill and everybody kind of they, they're not directly witnessing it but everybody is on the comms with him right. when it happens it's not like they don't do the dumb thing and all immediately split up right yeah yeah and killing dallas quote unquote first i guess mm-hmm. or second is really smart because yeah. he's the seems like he's the guy in charge yes take him off the board yep. causes chaos yep. without the other characters and then um, the uh, Ash scene happens pretty quickly after that mm-hmm. and then right after that essentially they kill Parker and Lambert at the same time yeah and so you go from a full team down to just Ripley very quickly yeah and 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 none of them are killed by doing the I'm gonna storm off and go it alone thing right well 
No, yeah, you're right. There's a moment where Parker storms off. Parker, but- want, he, he sort of storms off, but he, he doesn't. You know, yeah. do, do, you, do you know what I mean? Nobody, nobody is like, screw this. You all take your chances. I'm going for the escape pod. You either come with sure. me or you don't. And then that person charges off on their own and it immediately gets killed, which would be the stereotypical slasher movie thing. Yeah, I do. I did also notice this time that Parker's shirt seems to mysteriously rip and get turned into like an action hero shirt <laughs> in a way that made me feel like Yafet Koda was like, can I like look really cool? And Luis yeah, like, yeah, yeah whatever. I'm going to tie then, a bandana around my Yeah, head and then he turns around and like, off. we don't have lights on him. Nobody's going to yeah. notice. But if he feels great about it, that's cool. But you know, like it's... Yeah. So, like, it would be a very Parker thing to do. So yeah. it's in character. We'll let him have this. So, you know, you've got the chest burster happens at an hour. Yeah. This is just about two hours. Yeah. And, the, and Ripley is on her own um, they start the self-destruction sequence mm-hmm. with a half an hour left. Wow. So in 30 so minutes. So in 30 minutes, they kill everybody. Everyone else is, yeah. is off the board. That's great. <laughs> yeah. and it, But it doesn't feel rushed at all. You know, it feels it feels a lot more natural than yeah. a lot of slasher movies do. Because yeah. slasher movies end up turning into this stupid formula where it's like, all right, we got one guy. Yeah. Now we got to wait. Then we got to get the next guy. Yep. All right. Now we got to wait. Now, so that's why that's why I appreciate it in the burning mm. when he pops up in that canoe and kills yeah, five people at the same time. Yeah, just murders a bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, I also appreciate it in the in this movie that the only times people when 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 people do separate after they're aware the xenomorph is on the ship and it is dangerous, mm-hmm. the only times they separate are for very specific reasons, and the reasons make sense. Yeah, you know, it's like I have to go refuel these flamethrowers to be fair the mm-hmm. one that st- stems apart and that does very much feel like a slasher movie thing mm-hmm. is when they find jonesy mm-hmm. and then park is like go get the cat and he's like okay and then yes. he walks off by himself but to be fair isn't that before they know that the xenomorph has become a gigantic yes. killing machine yes, they is. think it's still this little cat size thing that right, might be right. dangerous but you know brett can probably handle it yeah. he's got a flamethrower or, or a cattle prod um but yeah, I mean, even even when they do split up, it's sort of agreed upon. Mm-hmm. There's a plan. It's Ripley saying to Parker and Lambert, go get as much coolant as you can carry. I'm going to get the pod ready. We'll meet back here. And like they have to split up because they're running out of time. Like they right. got to get out of there. Um, so I, I appreciate that because at, at no point, well, not at no point, but like generally the people in this movie are reasonably smart. Yeah, I would say so. People aren't making this sort of same willy nilly like, I'm just gonna get mad at you and storm off, or like I'm I'm just like I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm gonna go hide under my bed. It's like no, they they still even Lambert, who is like obviously the one who's having the most trouble emotionally with what's going on. When she dies, she's with Parker, and they are loading up right coolant and oxygen tanks for the for the escape pod. I feel like Parker could have done more to help her. He seems oh kind of yeah, like, you know. I think I I'm, but I'm saying like she didn't just shut right, down. Right, she didn't yeah. go say I'm not leaving this room. You can't make me. Right, she right, was like, yeah. all right, fine. If if this is what I have to do to get out of here, this is what I'm gonna do. I don't remember seeing it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. This version has the scene where she slaps Ripley, right? Oh, I don't think it does. No, the the original 1979. There, I think it's it's during. When Kane 
is in the med bay. Oh, maybe. And they're all kind of standing outside watching. I do remember that scene. I can't remember if it was in the version I watched yeah, I to record yeah. this. Because I watched the original, the theatrical release. That's what I watched as well. Yeah. 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 Um, I feel like it's not, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's interesting. The yeah. the uh, My favorite thing about the director's cut of this movie is that unlike most director's cut, it's actually a minute shorter than the original mm. version. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I feel like there's a, only a few people whose director's cuts are legitimate, mm-hmm. and Ridley Scott is pretty much at the top of the list. Most people, yeah. then it's like director's cut. It's like, well, we put in all the shit we cut out, and it doesn't. <laughs> right, it doesn't we, we make added the movie back in four yeah. deleted scenes that we didn't really need. Yeah I, yeah, I think I feel like Ridley Scott usually actually l- literally goes in and recuts the movie. Mm. Uh, there's the most famous, the most famous. I don't know if I'd say it's the most famous one. But obviously, Blade Runner is is a very yeah. famous one. But, um, I guess Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Is, is Kingdom of Heaven. It's a uh, a Crusades era movie with uh, Orlando Bloom from the early two thousands. Oh, okay. That is, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's fine. Sure. But I have heard that the director's cut of that is mm-hmm. awesome. Oh. And I've never seen it, and I need to because I do really like Ridley Scott. Michael yeah. Mann also. His director's cuts usually are hmm. uh, aggressive. <laughs> it's the right word for him. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Ash. Yes. Before we before we need to wrap things up, because sure. we're gonna go a little long. Um, we talked we talked about like the burning for like a, an hour and forty minutes. So I, I know, <laughs> I know. I think we could talk about Alien for as long as yeah. we want. <laughs> um. Well, I, I, there are a couple things that Ash does, and then the sort of climactic Ash scene mm-hmm. that I want to talk about, and I find them so I find these things so interesting because I think you can come up with reasons for why he does the little quirky weird things he does, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if there are like canonical reasons or if it's just like, who knows? Figure it out. Um. But when they're getting ready for the sort of away team mission to the uh, asteroid mining planet, whatever they're on, where they they find all the eggs. LV four twenty six. Thank you. Um, he gets he gets he's getting ready, and he sort of does this little jog in place. Right. Yeah. This sort of weird little like run in place. Do you know what that's about? I don't. No. It's just him. I I have. It's just him getting hyped up. Yeah. Real I, excited to get his own xenomorph. I, <coughs> excuse me. I I remember, I don't know if it was my interpretation or if it was one I had read somewhere, was that Ash is actively like broken. Mm. And so that's him like testing his robot. Like resetting some yeah. stuff. I, I, think, I think that's one of those things where it's like the first time I saw it, I must have like f- thought, oh, that must be it because of the way that he freaks out later. But yeah. I don't think I ever really noticed it until this time when uh-huh. I was watching it and he starts bleeding the white goop down his head. Yes. <clears throat> and and uh, and Caitlin said, well, that's Ripley's own fault because she pushed him and broke him. And I was like, <laughs> I never thought about that. Cause I, but uh, I said, oh, she doesn't know he's a robot at this mm. point. She's like, oh, I didn't realize. But, but mm. she's not wrong. Right. Like she does push him and he kind of falls into the wall and then right. he starts bleeding. But at the same time, he doesn't strike me as that fragile. Right. Yeah. So it's really interesting because then this leads me perfectly into that sequence where Dallas is dead. Kane is obviously dead. 
So now Ripley is commanding officer and she mm-hmm. gets access to the ship's computer mother. And she goes in and she discovers, uh, what is it, Order 937? Mm-hmm. And it is to retrieve a sample mm-hmm. from LV426. Six. Thank you. Come on, get with it, huh? <sighs> Look, I'm off this time. You're, you're <laughs> handling all the names. Um, it's a national holiday, Amanda. <laughs> that April, I am. April 26th, it's Alien Day, <laughs> recognized insane. nationwide. I okay? am on vacation on national holidays. Um, but you know, we find it. We find out that the order is to retrieve this sample and get it back to Earth, and the crew is expendable. And mm-hmm. Ash has gotten into the computer with her, and they have an altercation, and then he locks her into the crew quarters and attacks her. Mm. In that sequence, why does he start kind of falling apart? I have no idea. I, I, I like I said, I, I, I didn't think about it until yeah. now that it was she damaged him somehow. Yeah. Um, but I don't know because I. Because previously, I think I had thought, oh, he was always kind of damaged or something, yeah. which is why he freaks it. But yeah, I'm not sure. I have a little bit of a theory. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true this is. But aren't these androids supposed to be Blade Runner style, not able to hurt humans? I mean, now, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I, but they don't ever, I don't think they ever specifically say that. Yeah. They definitely don't in this movie. Because you right. don't even know robots exist right, until a right, robot exists. Right, that like androids are a thing until yeah. here is one. Um, okay, so I, this this might just be my own pet theory, shot in the dark kind of thing. But I wonder if some some of the some of it could be that he is he needs to stop Ripley because he needs to finish his mission, but it right. is against his sort of prime directives to hurt humans. Sure. So yeah. maybe the dissonance inside of his programming on like, I've got to stop her. So that means I got to kill her. Mm-hmm. Also, I kind of hate her. So I'm going to kill her is also, I think she needs to read more. <laughs> and I've forgotten that humans read with their eyes, not their mouths, not their mouths, jam it in there. Um, but yeah, just like, I don't know. I was kind of thinking maybe it's a thing where it's like, he's not supposed to be attacking her. And so he is like yeah. damaging himself by, by taking these actions. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it's as valid as anything else. Yeah. I, just, I wasn't sure if there was like a very clear canonical, like, not no, it's this of. and this. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I mean that scene <clears throat> with the magazine. It's so creepy. I feel like it's, I, it it's might so be, weird. yeah, it might be something as simple as, there is so much mm. uh, sexual violence imagery mm. and undertones in this movie mm-hmm. that it's kind of just another one of those. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is. I, I don't think that, like, Kane's intent is any in any way sexual. Yeah. But it feels gross. Like, mm. rolling this magazine oh, into, you mean like. Ash. I'm sorry. Yeah. What did I say? Kane? Yeah. Yeah. Rolling this magazine into a tube and then shoving it in her mouth. Yeah. It, just, it feels obviously invasive and, you know, right. v- like a violation. I wonder if there's a little bit of a sort of like he's sort of emulating the xenomorph that he admires so yeah, much. Yeah, that's why I always thought he was like trying to implant an egg in like a an alien in her or something. Well, I don't think he's like actively trying to do that. Uh, no, he, no, yeah, I don't but think I, so. But. but I think there might be an element of like, I admire this creature so much. Mm-hmm. If this is the way it kills, maybe. I think my I my headcanon mm. before mm-hmm. was that, I don't know why I came up. This is these like <laughs> stupid ways that your child brain extrapolates. Yeah, when you're nine stuff. years old and you're just putting yeah, things together. I think that I thought he had 
an alien in him that he was trying to put into her. her. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it does, I mean, as Prometheus and Alien Covenant get into a bit, like Uh there is a lot of stuff in that about the the robots in that movie having this sort of um, uh, feeling of impotence as far as creation and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, maybe it is something that, Ridley Scott's been thinking about for 40 years. I don't know, but yeah, I, I could totally see that because I, I do think I, I actually, I know it starts silly, but the scene where they talk to Ash after decapitating him, yes, they kind the, of the most seamless. Yes. Fake head to real head cut in perfect movie history ever. I actually, you know what? I think in the director's cut, I think that cuts better. I think mm. that transition is better, but anyway, could, probably couldn't be much worse. Yeah. Um, but I love the conversation they have with him, with, yes. with Ash, when yeah. he's just a head on a table. And he's talking about it, and he says, he's, he's talking about the xenomorph, and I think it's Lambert says, you admire it. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I love that, because it's like, it's such a subtle comment, but it gives you so much information that you now know about Ash. Right. Like, you, you've, you've really, you've, you get to like kind of finally see his character. In that moment. Yeah. And he admires it the way a robot would admire something. Yes. Which is for its ad- efficiency. Efficiency and simplicity. Yes. And, yeah. It's purity, I think he says. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing about that scene, the goofiness of it, is mm-hmm. that when they cut back to the fake head, uh-huh. it's a fake head with a stupid grin on it. Yes. Which means they made a head specifically to match him smiling at the end of that scene. Yep. Which is feels like a waste of money to me right right why not just have him go back to like neutral face yeah and it's like yeah. it doesn't even look it looks like jack nicholson yeah, in does. joker makeup <laughs> and it does you're right um the final sequence is mm-hmm. awesome there's mm-hmm. there's barely any dialogue in the last half an hour up to the to the end um yeah it's essentially her talking to the cat yeah <laughs> it barely even there it's like that doesn't even come until the, the only you get a little bit of dialogue when she tries to, for some reason, stop. Is she is she trying to stop the yes the, the self destruction program? Yes. Why is she trying to stop it? I can't. That's I, another great question. I don't know. Yeah. My I feel like at one point I I had a an idea of why. Because this time I thought it was that she she couldn't get to the ship because the alien was like blocking i her think path. that's it is that it okay. i think it's that she she thinks she knows where it is and that she can't get past it yeah and so she's like i have to stop the self-destruct because otherwise like, I, can't, I can't get to the ship i'm gonna just die here yeah. if i don't um and you know it i i it's uh that final sequence is i mean just her walking through the hallways with those lights going and the yes, fog the and the flickering fire. lights and the, like the kind of ambient yeah. sound it does you you caught you mentioned it that before we started that this is kind of like a a spacefaring haunted house yeah and that scene in, that in particular feels like you're walking through like a haunted house yes like, yeah, like, like you've haunt. gone you've gone to spooky world yes or exactly something. yeah where it's <laughs> just like strobe lights 
gas effects, lights going all of thing, you know. Yeah, someone's going to pop out of the dark at you. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's really effective. And it, I Absolutely. mean, they, they build to a certain fever pitch at the end where yeah. it's just, that's the thing I was I was really taken aback by watching this this time is, again, I've seen this movie, I don't know, 20 times. Mm-hmm. And I was so into it at like yeah. the, the, like the, the egg, the opening egg sequence. <sighs> I was into that. I knew it was coming, and I'm just like focused, yeah, totally, like tense. Yep, it just works so so well. It still works well. Yeah, I feel like my my notes for this movie were were a little thin, and I think it was much more because I kept just getting caught up watching the yeah. movie, yeah. and I forgot I was supposed to be like dissecting things for conversation. <laughs> yeah, and it also it's it it's it's a very it's a really timeless movie. Yeah, I don't. I think it ages incredibly well. Yeah, I think so too. Because there's nothing in it that belies the era that it was made really yeah and most of the the special effects look great still yeah um there's a couple like matte shots and stuff that are a little iffy but yeah. it's not enough to 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 really date it that much yeah i think the only thing that dates it a little bit is the size of the computer monitors yes that yeah. they're so small but honestly even that though yeah. the ship it fits the tone of the ship right you know like yeah. it doesn't when when you see that they have shitty VHS cameras or video cameras, yeah. it doesn't feel like oh this movie was made in 1979. It feels no. like oh yeah, that's what they would have. Yeah, yeah, no, and uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I think it's the one of the only things that comes close to dating it. Yeah. But I, but it doesn't bother me. It's like you're saying, it's still it makes sense within the context of the rest of what you're seeing. Yeah, and I I noticed a bit more because I never thought felt like this movie had um, Ridley Scott has a. Of, of, especially in the 80s, Ridley and his brother Tony hmm. developed a very identifiable style. Mm-hmm. Lots of smoke. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, lights through slatted windows and stuff yeah. like that. And it, it, it turned into like... Pe- people took it and started making music videos with that kind of style. Like it has a very f- specific era feel yeah. to it. This doesn't have it. Like there's a there's bits of it. Like I, I caught bits of it towards the end when she's going through the hallways and stuff. But even like the filmmaking style yeah. doesn't feel dated. Yeah. Um, what did he do? Is is Blade Runner right after this? I can't remember if Blade Runner is before or after Legend. Oh, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, it's he. I could talk about him all day. He's fantastic. <laughs> um. Yeah, how how do you feel about the final sequence on the uh on the the on the shuttle? escape escape yeah. shuttle? I fucking love it. Yeah. It's so good because you do have a moment. I mean, you you can you can tell that she hasn't just gotten away because they would have just had her get in like a pilot seat and fly away you know what i mean like so you know there's a little more there's something else coming i always wonder if the size of the explosion is supposed to be a bit of a fake out where it's like this thing looks like a star going supernova so obviously that must be it right maybe yeah yeah Yeah, and i i always think that there's gonna be a moment like i i used to when like the like my suspicion would have been that you're going to realize it's attached itself to the outside of the ship. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, or something like that. But the way it reveals itself is so good. Yeah. Um, and just the whole, like, her kind of having the moment where she's kind of cradling the cat 
and she puts him in the the cryo tube and she's sort of getting she's coming down from this crazy experience yeah um and to have the xenomorph still be there and have her panic but avoid it like it's almost like it's going into a hibernation moment yeah which i think is really interesting that like why it doesn't attack her right off the bat is really interesting the thing i love about that the way that i was reading that was um it feels very much like the way a cornered animal or like an insect or something would act Mm. where it's like let's say you've got like a snake Mm-hmm. in in your bookcase or something as they tend to be <laughs> yes i i feel like the the way that that animal is going to react isn't yeah. blah, 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 blah. you know right. it's like it, it's gonna coil up right it's gonna a defensive find a cre- position yeah. yeah or like you know a spider or something or yeah that's why i hate when spiders they, well yes but mm-hmm. that's why i hate um the way hollywood <laughs> i sound like i'm railing against the system here <laughs> i i hate the way hollywood um makes like animals and insects and stuff act with like, when they do them cgi yeah because they always make them act like a person would act and not right. like an animal would act right or how a person might expect them to yeah. act yeah nine times out of ten animals stay very still right you know but right. they always in movies have them do stupid or like yeah. up in your face threatening you rather than yeah like a, like fucking any, giant uh, if you if you saw a centip- giant centipede on the ground uh-huh it's not gonna like slither over and like come up and like look you in the eye right right it's not gonna climb your pant leg and then up your body and well then, it might like, do that but it's yeah. not gonna like talk to you right and they always make these things look like they're but it's about more to talk likely, to you but it's more likely to run away from you right yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah and so that's why i i really like that bit at the end because he the alien does have that kind of sense of the yeah the, the animal who is trying to hide right um yeah and it's just so different like it's different than it just going like yeah it does do that eventually but i mean yeah but it's because she right yeah spraying it with a bunch of gas with a bunch of gas but yeah i i love i love that the final way she defeats it is by being careful and patient and thoughtful and Mm -hmm. not just lashing out and hitting it with some stuff you know it's not like all of a sudden she's like i found my space gun now I'm going to shoot you. You yeah. know, it, it, like she still has to be resourceful the way she's been the whole movie. She has to look at her environment around herself and say, what the fuck am I going to do? Mm. And then she figures it out, which I think is so much more rewarding than just she beat it to the shuttle and then she blasted off and blew it up. Yeah. Like it's so much more rewarding that she had this kind of final confrontation with what ash referred to as this perfect organism yeah and she still won Mm -hmm. she still came out on top yeah and this you know i i i i keep i hate to keep sounding like an old man here but (laughs) the way that they made these movies just is so much feels so much more inventive back in clay's day yeah back in my day six years before i was born um it it feels so much more inventive the way that they fabricate this stuff. Yeah. Like, because everything's CGI now. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of looks the same. Yep. You know, whereas in this movie, you've got alien eggs that you open them up and there's mm-hmm. like 
they're lined with like pig intestines and shit to make <laughs> right. them, you know, right? Or like the inside of the face hugger, I think, was made out of oh, God, like so sheep kidney and oysters or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's what's the other one? Oh, even at the end, the the when the alien gets blasted by the the rocket, yep, they did that by. It looks it looks like it doesn't look like any rocket blast you've ever seen right, in the movie because it's right. not like an optical effect. Yeah, it's really bright light and water oh. that they're spraying down at the camera, and it looks like a rocket blast. You yeah. put a noise behind it; it looks awesome. It sounds yeah. great, but it's just it's a very inventive, much cheaper way of doing yeah. this kind of stuff that I feel like is I don't know. I just everything looks the same now. Prosthetics yeah. look so fake. I don't know. It's got to have something to do with. The, the fact that these cameras are so intense yep. that they pick up every yeah. w- every Im- imperfection or something. But like... Do you think also with the CG, it's sort of like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm ignorant of this entirely. So maybe you'll be like, no, Amanda, that's dumb. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's kind of the same couple groups or companies or, or groups of people doing a lot of the work. Uh, yes. Do you know well, what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of like in in the sense of like when when you're in a relatively small industry, yeah, where there's only a certain percentage of people kind of at the height of their career. Mm-hmm. They've all probably like learned from the same people yeah. or worked with one another or like I used to work at this company and now I work at this one and this is just how I learned how to do things. Yeah. And so you start to experience this flattening of style because yeah. everyone is pulling literally from the same lessons yeah i i think that definitely happens in concept design Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of why like i was saying earlier why um a lot of the designs tend to nothing is really feels that original right because like a a lot of the people are going to the same schools and learning how learning the same way of doing this sort of concept design and those are the people who are getting jobs which is great whatever but you know um and i think CGI is, I think there's so many places that do it now mm. that it's a little bit harder to, to find that. But I do remember a period in like the mid 2000s mm. where I could actually spot an in, in industrial light and magic CGI shot. Oh, wow. Because there was just something to the way that they did their rendering yeah. where I'm like, that's an ILM shot. And Jesus. Because, uh, you know, I had a really active social life at the time. <laughs> <clears throat> A busy um, man. Yeah, but yeah, it, there's just something about these, something about these movies where every where things are more um, physical and feel more handcrafted. Yeah, that and have some weight to them. Yeah, that really goes such a long way. Yeah, and it it doesn't happen as much as it used to, which is a shame. But uh, um, the music in this movie was done by Jerry Goldsmith, it's a very so good. famous composer. And uh, the the interesting parallel with him is this came out the same year as Star Trek The Motion Picture, the first Star oh. Trek movie, which he also did the music for. Oh. And this movie, especially the end sequence, mm-hmm. there is no music in that sequence. Yeah. Like, it is just Ripley and the noise of the ship and the countdown. Yeah. Whereas in Star Trek, Everything they do has like the John Williams type bombast yes. behind it, you know, as Spock is floating into the giant space butthole. It's like, bah, 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 bah. like there's no, none of that music in this where she's, it makes sense if you see the movie. Sure. Um, 
in this, like, there's no, when she's running down the hallway, it's not like, dun, 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 No, dun, it's dun. just like alarms blaring and steam yeah. coming out of pipes and her panting. Yeah, it just, the movie does, it lets you just do the work for yourself, basically. Yeah. And uh, I always, I the music is so good, mm-hmm. but it is so sparse. And I yeah. think that's why I've never really thought about the music from Alien. Oh, really? Yeah, not really, because I, I was kind of had my ear open for it this time and I was kind of surprised how John Williamsy it sounded in parts. Yeah. Um Yeah, but it's creepier. Yeah. I mean, I guess it <laughs> I mean it sounds like Jerry Goldsmith cuz Jerry Goldsmith music, but but it had it was more traditional than I than I remembered it being. Mm. But, it's just applied only in very specific yes, moments. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot less of it. Yeah, which is why I think it works so well. Yeah. Is cuz it might sound sort of more traditional than you'd expect from this movie but you're only hearing it in these really specific scenes where it's clearly intentional mm-hmm. and so i think it doesn't out outlive its uh outstay its welcome yeah, yeah yeah it is really interesting to think about this and star trek coming out in the same year because they're yeah, both fascinating they're both kind of reactions to star wars mm-hmm. and they both go in very interestingly different directions yeah, they are kind of diametrically opposed. Yeah. yeah. Like Star Trek is ends up skewing a lot more towards 2001. Uh-huh. And Alien takes some things from Star Wars and just jacks it up to 11. Yeah. There's also there's another movie that uh I don't know if anyone has ever anyone involved has directly cited as an influence, mm. but um there's a Mario Bava movie called oh Planet of the Vampires. Oh boy. <laughs> which has almost the same plot as this. Wow. I mean it's not it's not really that all things considered this is not a groundbreaking plot. No. But when if you watch Planet of the Vampires, it's you think you're thinking about Alien for a lot of it. Um I have to see this movie now. It, it's awesome. <laughs> it is it's like it's such it's a it's very much like a campy sci-fi movie mm-hmm. but it's shot by Mario Bava so it's like the best looking one you've that ever seen amazing. and it involves uh yeah vamp a planet of vampires yeah astronaut vampires basically <laughs> i love it um i need to see it this is number 5 on our list mm-hmm. how do you feel about that placement I feel pretty good about it i might i might knock it a little closer to 1 yeah, I you know because I think it's genuinely scary. Yeah, I hate to be that guy, Uh-oh. but like number five is Alien, number four is Us, mm. number three is The Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, number mm. two is Get Out, and mm. number one is Psycho. If you're if you're just basing it on those five, I'm probably pushing this to number two. Sure, because I mean, not that those other movies aren't great, but like. I don't know. Alien is just yeah. like a foundational text. Yes. I mean, Especially so since, is... since, wait a minute, what was number four? Uh, us. Us was, I mean. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. It's good. I don't it's... think it's top five. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. But I think I think you and I would make a very different list than yeah. this list. Yeah, it's um, just, it's just. Uh, I, 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 it should be in the top five. Let yes, me put it that sure. way. It, it, it should be in the top five. This is such a weird top ten. Yes. <laughs> this is a very strange list. Fucking Quiet Place and the Invisible Man. Night of the Hunter. That's a great movie, but I would, I don't even know if that deserves to be on this list at all. That, that's, that's, 
that's a conversation for our episode about Night of the Hunter Clay. Yes, which will uh, <laughs> which might which I think will um, guest host feature <laughs> my uh, my cousin Danny. Word salad. Yes. Now Clay, who is. Um, starting a podcast and website all about film noir oh cool so i asked him if he wanted to come on and talk about night of the hunter and he's like yeah, yeah. absolutely so nice give him a little bump hopefully <laughs> give um, us a little bump yeah <laughs> but uh i think that's i think that's it is that it for alien probably probably not but yeah i feel like we've oh. got to pick up pick up spot the one the one thing i did want to bring up because mm. You know, now that I am old, I, I pick up on s- scarier real world things. Mm-hmm. Is I was thinking the scariest thing in this movie uh-huh. is watching Tom Skerritt have to navigate that tube with a flamethrower, like a real yes. flamethrower. Yes, unable to fully stand up and walk, carrying yeah. essentially an iPad in the other hand, yeah. and having to like lurch his way through this like three foot high. Yes, incredibly dangerous. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I hit the randomizer button. Beep boop boop beep boop 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 beep boop. And next up, we will be doing number 38, hmm. The Birds. <gasps> the Birds? Yes, which I'm excited for. I haven't seen that movie. I think Go I birds. watched that movie in high school. Yeah, I feel like I watched it in college. 25 years ago, because I can say that now. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> You're an old man. Yes. When you think about what 15 years ago was, add four. 10 more years and and that's 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 the thing is you get to the point where it's like oh 15 years ago that was like 1999 it's like no no it was not, not i'm anymore. not i'm not at that point yet but i'm, I'm catching you'll up. get there i'll get there we'll yep. all get there we'll just get there at different times yep uh anyway now that like we're a xenomorph depressed. yeah moving through the air fence uh thank you guys you down <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. If you want to help support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Sign up for our Patreon where you can follow Amanda and I as we go down the, the rabbit hole of video nasties this yes. year. Um, June, we covered The Burning. Mm-hmm. And in July, we will be doing... That is a great question, Clay. What are we doing in what July? What are we doing in July, Clay? We are doing... Something great. Something really <laughs> great. Oh, boy. He had it. I'm sorry, He guys. lost it. We are Bay of Blood. Hey. Mario Baffa, Bay of Blood. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm thinking we got Bay of Blood. We just did the burning. Yes. I kind of feel like maybe I have I have the next wild card pick. I'm kind of thinking maybe mm. we might do Sleepaway Camp. Ooh. Just to keep on the, the lake-based summer movie. Yeah. So... I got to kick that around a bit. There's so many that I want to get. I, I, I really want you to see The Hunger because oh. I think it might be your new favorite movie. Oh. Uh, it's, I, I brought this up briefly a couple episodes ago. Uh, it's uh, David Bowie, Susan Sarandon, and Catherine Deneuve in a movie about essentially bisexual vampires shot by Tony Scott. <laughs> so, Look, I'm feeling very attacked right now. I, I'm doing you a favor <laughs> in telling you about this movie. Anyway, you're gonna love it. Feeling personally targeted. So there's there's just so many so many things to cover. But uh, <laughs> when else are we gonna do sleepaway camp? But we'll, we will we'll let you know at the end of next episode because we are at that time again. But thank you guys yes. for listening. Uh, thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. And we'll see you later. Bye, everyone. Bye.